podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back near the end of the cigarette that was double game week 31 with Burnley's 1-1 draw of Everton. No bad course involvement, of course, to come on Wednesday. Uh, the Arsenal game is going on, but at the time of recording, it is 2-0 uh, into the 60th minute. So I was glad to not watch any more of that and get on with uh, the podcast rather than sitting through that nonsense. Uh, the double game weeks have been almost completely announced fortuitously for us this evening, so we can weave that into our chat. And the bulk of the action has finished. As FPL returns after the international break. Did we miss it? I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, Harry's still here, motoring through his stint with the purr of a Jaguar X type. You're right, mate. You're okay. Yeah, I think given that we are Arsenal and Chelsea fans, respectively, I think we should just move on from, from this week, move on from it as fast <laughs> as we possibly can, because it's been a pretty depressing weekend for the pair of us. It's going back to we'll talk about on the beach a bit today, but it feels like normally we have this no team wants top four type argument. And it seems to be that Chelsea and Arsenal have taken that in full swing, but Spurs didn't quite get the memo this weekend. No. Right. Diving straight in, as we do have a fair bit to cover, especially with the doubles being announced. Welcome back to another podcast. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find myself at FPL underscore Harry. This week we'll do usual stuff motivations for fpl being a big covering point after we do sort of game week update mini league market forces so we'll be talking about on the beach we'll be talking about teams we're starting to play for and how much this should be really impacting our fpl decisions going into the last seven game weeks now of the season a few listeners questions whilst also trying to talk through a very small fixture announcement that seemed to take place this afternoon yeah around six o'clock all of those doubles uh would announce. I think there's still a couple that are still outstanding based on FA Cup results, but yeah, we're pretty much all there now. Um, yeah. in, into how we're getting on this week, I mean, as I said, the game which is in, pro, in progress, time recording is about the 64th minute of the Arsenal game. Not that it matters that much to be honest. Uh, how have you been getting on, Harry? How did you do this week? It's not been a great one. Um, I took a minus four to bring in Veghorst and Pope. To be fair, I'm still like I would make the transfers again knowing what's gone so far. I didn't expect anything from the Burnley guys against Man City and actually Pope's two points in that game I was reasonably happy with I thought he'd get zero and Saar who I sold only got three so I'm quite happy that I did that because Saar doesn't play in 33 so I needed him anyway it was pretty diabolical until the Spurs game took place so I have Robertson with a six I captain Salah pretty depressing there but then Kane for Kulusevsky six and Doherty with a massive 14 really boosting my rank although he's highly owned 14 points never goes down badly how about you? I actually got away with one this week to some extent because Saturday morning, um, I was very, very, very close to doing Luca Dean to Rhys James, which probably, probably would have meant that. Matt Doherty, FPL legend. Probably been second bench, maybe. And then I was a bit annoyed because I did have Dean first bench. Um, and obviously, in, the, in that kind of sliding doors universe, I would have probably not had Do- uh, Matt Doherty on the pitch mm-hmm. and so it wasn't as bad and by a Dean first bench and he went off after 10 minutes and I was really annoyed about that because I was like oh you know could be a clean sheet here as it turned out at Villa two so <laughs> you know the one yeah. point for going after 10 minutes was the same as if he played the whole game yeah the 14 points are from- Matt Doherty 
six Kulisevsky, same as you, and Kane, um, they pretty much made it. At the back, I got the Rudiger goal, uh, the Robertson clean sheet, and they also captain Salah. Uh, my only move was Jimenez uh, to Veghorst. I did consider mm-hmm. Ramsdale to Pope, um, but I was kind of hoping that Ramsdale would be fit tonight, which he is. Got my double in 33, so I thought, yeah, it's worth leaving him there. But yeah, it was all on that Dirty. 14 pointer. Uh, so I'm, yeah. I'm quite pleased with that, really, because it could have been one of those moments where, like, if I'd benched. Dirty. Then I would have, you know, th- that could have just been a disaster, frankly. You, you can add him to the bench points that I've got with Watkins 9 staring at me from first sub. Oh, that's not good, is it? It's, it's annoying. No, it's, 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 painful. Annoying. it's painful. It's painful. It feels like one of those weeks where if you had like one little differential and they've gone off, it, yeah. that's that's been like the difference. It would have been massive, yeah. But I had no, no even thought of starting him given yeah. the way that they've been the past few weeks. No, exactly. I, I don't blame you. I don't blame one bit. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, 40, I think I'm on 47, 48, something like that when I get with Luca Dean's one point on. I think it's just like a small green arrow. I think that's probably what most people are looking at this week with four or five percent. Like you're around you're, you're a small green, aren't you? Something like that. Well, a small red after a minus four. If I hadn't have taken oh, the minus yeah, four, yeah, yeah. I would be about flat, but I still got two to play at home. So I'm hoping to just break maybe a small red arrow it's not going to get any worse than it is now unless Lacazette goes and scores it's probably the only real threat unless Ramsdale saves a pen but yeah small red because the minus four but that's okay yeah no, you'll take that you'll take that with both hands right um short mini league update the interim update of course um up top it's Hakon Mangashnaz he's taking it back over 53 points this week for Hakon uh, it's, it's, it's that sort of score just seeing people go places um he replaces Jochen uh, Lengroff Artanista 40 points only for Jochen this week he's down second staying in third I have Lanty Brett Taylor 46 in fourth I think he's got from uh, from fifth or maybe he's now no longer joint fourth he's actually fourth outright it's lucky prophet Troy Hope 51 he pushes Sam McAfee down to fifth who got a foot four this week in sixth going nowhere uh, it's James Coe with Bruno number one in seventh, Chris Turner, 57 points this week. That's a, that's a relatively large score uh, for this week, uh, given how the Tombra of the week's gone with the Brothers Grimsby, 57. Uh, in eighth as well, the special one, uh, Owen Keir one. I think that he's up from the teams. Uh, 60 points for him this week has put him into the top 10. In ninth, Stranger Ings, Lucas H, 52. And staying in 10th, it is what it is, Steve Jones. Well done, everybody. And that's obviously an interim update and things may well change uh, as the game week does continue. And into the transfers for this week, the market forces. It's it's a bit of a strange one uh, thus far, isn't it? I think game week 32, we'll come on to that in the questions a lot more. But game week 32 is a pretty ugly game week uh, to all intents and purposes. And I think that's reflecting in the transfers we're seeing in, isn't it, Harry? Yeah, I generally, I've looked at it in my team and we'll talk about our transfers later on, but I look at it and think there's no one I really look at this week and think you're going to haul or you're going to do really well. There's no clear and obvious fixture that I really want to go after. And it is mirrored that there's not been that many transfers generally. Ivan Tony comes in as the highest transferred in with just under 50k. I don't remember the last time if we've done a podcast where the most transferred in is still under 50,000. There's not been any big hauls apart from the Spurs guys who are already so highly owned that there's not really been that big player that people have gone after early on, which tends to drive early movement. We've got Madison in second. I think again, Palace this week, followed by a good double in 33 is why he's up there. Bowen coming back from injury, coming in third. Jota in fourth, if he seems to keep starting up front. Again, we always know if he's at his price, he's going to be great if he gets minutes. It's always the X-Mins that has always been a bit of a concern with him before we get Son, Doherty, Saka and, and Kane in there as well. So a little bit of an eye on 
on what's going on in, in 33 with Madison and then maybe a few players coming back to the front in Bowen and Shotter as well, but not much movement because there's not been any big returns so far this week. Oh, well, Bowen and Jota coming in this party like it's game week 24. <laughs> um, absolutely, you know, I think that was that was the last time they both returned. I think they both got double digit that game week. And uh, yeah, it, it definitely felt very old school this week, didn't it? With them both returning that double figure hall. I think you, know, you can see all those kind of zombie dead teams rising up like Michael Jackson's thriller video and dancing around out of nowhere. I, I think I'm, I'm fairly sure someone messaged yeah, someone did message me, uh, mention to me at work today that they'd done really well this week. And I looked at their team that hadn't done anything for six weeks. So it was just you know, that sort of person who's gone, oh, yeah, I own that guy. He's done some stuff. Yeah, I better tell Tom about it. God, I regret the day I was anyone ever mentioned. I found out that I did this. Anyway, um, into the sales this week. It's a Phil Coutinho um, who is leading the sales. 71,000 transfers out. The sort of full guy for that Madison, Bowen, Jota, Son sort of move. Uh, second is Breuer, uh, 42,000 ineligible to play against his parents' clubs. That sort of makes sense. In third, Mo Salah, 34,000 transfers out at the moment. We'll definitely discuss that later on. In fourth, very straightforward, uh, Raul Jimenez, uh, 27,000 out. And in fifth, it's uh, Bernardo Silva. People loan him? Really? Okay. Um, sold by 26,000. And yeah, it's, it's just a bit of a a cautionary of randoms, isn't it, in terms of the transfers out this week? Um, I think yeah. things are still settling, and I think there's definitely a lot more to come in terms of how people are setting up ahead of 32. But I know if they're following what I'm doing, uh, spoiler for later, if they're following what I'm doing in, in a very, very ugly ass game week, maybe most people are also thinking, you know what, I'm just going to leave it and get two transfers here. And maybe that's reflected in the depressed numbers we've got here. Yeah, Coutinho again hasn't returned in a while. It's got Tottenham blank, Leicester. But actually, if you look at his fixtures after that, I wonder if this sort of heavy sales of Coutinho might change a little bit because then from 35, they have Norwich, Dublin 36, Dublin 37 as well. So that sort of three game week period, Coutinho could be a very good asset. But a lot of those transfers, I can understand why they've got rid of him given the short term and what, what they've done recently. Yeah, and as I mentioned, we'll discuss the Salah sales in just a bit. Yeah. All right, we'll take a quick break there and then move on to the main topic just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to talk about the main topic this week, which is how important is motivation in FPL at this stage? Now, motivation is much talked about at this stage of the campaign, which is why I thought it was really worth looking at. Uh, Diogo Jota, in his interview after the Liverpool game, said something really interesting. He said, you know, we're on to the next cycle of the season. I think that's really important to just kind of meditate on for a second because he was basically saying, you know what? The season's all chunked up and although we as FPL managers see it as being like a continuity between game week to game week, despite the fact there's an international break, the reality, the pragmatic reality of it, I'm sure, is that the players kind of think, right, I've got this tranche of games and I've got the internationals, but I've got another tranche of games. It's like a new reset. It's like a new restart. But nonetheless, I think, you know, terms like on the beach get thrown around a lot. And we've definitely looked at that in the past a lot. I mean, Anthony's favourite topic used to be on the beach a little bit. And I think motivation as we reach the business end of the season has a huge impact on FPL as it informs things like prioritisations for buying and selling, as well as helping us kind of calibrate our targeting sensors as it were and um, sorry for the star trek speak but you know what i mean like we, we, it kind of helps us kind of think all right i'm going to target this team that we've had norwich all throughout the course of the season if other teams do start to down tools because they are quote unquote on the beach then maybe we'll look at them as well and think oh you know what they are going to not be putting up that kind of extra one percent two percent to get on the ball uh, make that a block etc etc so maybe there will be goals is it real it's tough to say i mean i completely understand the skeptics will trot out 
you know, the they're professional footballers. This is all nonsense kind of line. But for me, the fact that motivation is real and impactful is, I think, a true thing. Like, if I look at my own lived experience and I try to empathise with Premier League footballers, obviously I don't play Premier League football for a living. But in the same way at work, jobs like I've worked at in the past, I need to underline. Um, I obviously, in my current job, I'm fully focused and committed. But at past jobs, <laughs> when projects were coming to an end and you know I've got other priorities or I've got annual leave coming up, my motivation did dip. And I suggest people who don't feel that way are either inhuman or utter liars, or maybe both. There's a psychopaths around if John Ronson's too believed. Anyway, this unquantifiable idea of motivation can sometimes tie into vague intangibles we speak about as well, such as form. Like, can a player be informed because he's angling for a move, chasing an award, or doing a Craig Bellamy or a Piro Emmerich or Bamiyang and chasing a new contract so he's smashing it? That's perhaps a discussion for another day of whether form exists. But I do think it's worth delving into motivation and looking at different ways some teams' performances in the season can change as we reach their business end. Just for fun, qualitatively, it's really difficult to prove any of this. I've used a few examples and things like that. But if you don't believe it exists, please do some work and prove me wrong if you disagree. But anyway, do you share my belief, Harry? that there's a element of motivation uh, when it comes to how we judge player performances and player choice towards this business end of the season yeah i do, i do think it plays plays quite a big part in in who we who we should be picking and i think you said something quite interestingly there is that i hear people when it gets brought up as a topic they think they're professional athletes they're footballers they get paid this much you know they're still fighting for maybe like you know 10th 11th in the league is big for the club in terms of revenue but it is only that sort of you know one five percent decline in performance that's needed i'm not saying they're going to go to 50 percent worse but those tiny margins when you're playing a club fighting for relegation or fighting for top four yes the teams in the middle of the table might still want to win games but it's if there's a ball which they worry that they might get hurt and a challenge for if they're fighting for relegation they're going to put their foot in and do you know try and win that extra third ball win that second ball but if they're if they're you know a bit more cozy then they're not going to go maybe that tiny bit extra so i think it's worth bearing in mind that yeah you're not necessarily thinking there's going to be a massive drop off but it is those fine margins in a league that is one of the most competitive leagues in 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 europe in the world that you can be playing whoever you saw like we've seen so far this week that you know Brentford have got big motivation maybe Palace this evening against Arsenal don't but you you see we've definitely seen upsets in the past where you've got a a top team maybe without that motivation playing against a lower team that is fighting for relegation we saw it with West Ham and I will do a few examples in a minute but we I definitely think it plays a big part now this season's a little bit different I think to previous seasons where we have a lot of those top teams maybe having a bit more to play for than maybe we've had in previous years. But yeah, I don't think it's also just, as you mentioned, just Premier League position. If there were, you know, international tournaments in the summer, they're vying for a place to play for their country. Okay, not that relevant this time. But you've also got players that want moves out in the summer. You've also got, if they're focusing on Europe, there are a lot of things other than just Premier League place that come into it, which I think is used as the main thing. You know, you see who's 13th, 12th, 11th in the Prem and think, okay, those teams don't care. There will be different levels of motivation within within that squad, but I definitely think that it should impact our, our decisions to some extent. should definitely narrow down the pool of players that we're looking at personally, but I know not everyone agrees. Which side of the fence do you tend to sit on? Oh yeah, well I, I I do like this, and of course it's all subjective. Like you know, you're making windows into men's souls, but I think you're definitely right about the nature of elite sport. 
that, that extra one to two percent is a huge difference. Like dropping that extra to one to two percent is a huge difference, and gaining that extra one to two percent is a huge difference. Because obviously, you know, we mentioned on the beach a little bit, and Harry started to segue a bit there um, into the positive side of motivation too, which is definitely something which helps us kind of make the buys as well as the sales that we'd be doing as FPL managers. And that'll be the first thing that I try to cover as I pop through, well, a bit of my thoughts on this, <laughs> just because, I mean, FPL is, is of course a focus on individual players and this is a bit more team-based, how I've looked at it today. Um, but it, it's still perhaps useful in terms of scoping who may or, we may or may not be interested in, in acquiring the services of or dispensing with the services of over the next few weeks, especially as we enter double game week season. But I was having a little think about this, Harry, and I came up with three different ways teams can finish the season, maybe expanding the on the beach stuff a little bit and looking at the positive side as well. So I think in the past, we've always looked at the negative, you know, this team's going to be rubbish. They're on the beach, they're done. But I think there's some positive kind of angles as well. And I think we'll obviously do our best to relate this into FPL and help with decision making. So I've got three types here that, that I think a team can kind of enter into as they end the season i've called these types copers chokers and jokers and i'll be talking through each of these in turn the first one is copers and i think that these teams are highly motivated you know they're, they're the kinds of teams who have got something to aim for we've mentioned a few of them or harry's mentioned a few of them there and um, think city and liverpool from the past teams looking to escape relegation and also join the race for fourth I've got a couple of fleshed out examples here. So Liverpool 2020-21, uh, season in the doldrums, the loss of Virg van Dijk and the centre-back void meant they lacked a lot of cohesion at the back, didn't they? They had a horror February. They lost four out of five games. I remember having Trent for those and he kept getting twos and people were saying, oh, is it time to sell Trent? And I remember they lost I think, 1-0 at home to Bryson and 2-0 to Everton and they lost that Merseyside derby and they were seventh in game week 25, which is unheard of for Liverpool. That's, that's where they were. Um, they won against Sheffield United in game 26, but that was a false storm. So they lost two further games, uh, one nil at home to Chelsea, and they lost to Fulham at home as well in game week 28. After that, though, a light switch stomp, and Klopp was uh, you know, saying even after a one nil win over Wolves that a top four berth was impossible because Spurs, City, United and Chelsea were all in form and all ahead of them. But Liverpool that season put together an amazing run. They were undefeated from game of 29 to the end of the season. Eight wins, two draws. They stilled themselves to third, despite being nowhere in February. And in terms of the team data, their XG per game ticked up by 0.5 per game, which translates them to goals. And um, there's an increase in shot accuracy and conversion too. Another example, Man City 2018-19. I lost Newcastle in game of 24, and they were four points behind Liverpool in the title race. That was the year that Liverpool won the Champions League, but didn't win the Prem. And basically from there, they coped. They were the copers. They were highly motivated and then won all of their remaining games. First in wins on the bounce. They scored first two goals, including beating Chelsea 6-0 at the Etihad um, and were simply phenomenal in their relentless chase. And that was the year that Vincent Company in game week 37 scored a thunder bastard. Um, to, I think they beat, I, think, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Brighton they beat 1-0. Leicester? Um, no, you're right. Yeah, it was Leicester, wasn't it? Their data didn't contrast too much. If you look at kind of before that loss to Newcastle and the other side of it, it was just an element, an extra 1-2% they found. Their goal conversion and the big chances score frequency rose a bit. That was it. There's no silver bullet. There was just something ineffable, something intangible which drove them. Other examples elsewhere, for example, um, Arsenal 2012-13, going unbeaten between 29 and 38 to clinch fourth after a Spurs choke. Goal from Koscielny against Newcastle on the fun. They did the business. And there's also some great escapes as well. 
Um, Aston Villa 2019-20 remember that Hawkeye fail after project restart yeah. um, they were in beast of the last four games and Leicester 2014-15 the year before they won the Premier League they were 20th and seven points from safety in game week 29 they went on an amazing run seven wins one draw and one loss to Chelsea um, who were gone to win the title that year over nine games they amassed 22 points over nine games and they still hold the record uh, for not going down despite being bottom over a, a 140 days which is mental so yeah there's three categories really in the copers of title winners position, position chasers and relegation ch- escapers but they're all in the copers group harry and i think we can definitely look at some nominees here that's for sure Rick mitchell sterling asked us as a good question to springboard from is it time to triple up on spurs and wait he did ask this before tonight arsenal as the race for fourth goes to the wire i mean i think there's definitely a case that there are a kind of a, a tranche of clubs who do do this aren't there yeah, I, I tried, and it was actually very a lot more difficult than I thought it would be to try and put the clubs into these sort of three groups. I think Manchester City and Liverpool go straight in here. You know, they're fighting for the Premier League. Yes, they've got Champions League to focus on as well and FA Cup, but for a lot of those, the Premier League will be joint, if not the, the biggest trophy that they'll want to win. Those two, for me, are definitely teams that we should be looking at. We've not, it's been a while, I feel, since we've had of titles race that could go right to the last game week of the season, which it feels like it could this year, that we can own these assets, triple up on these teams right to the final game week of the season. Then again, to go with them, you said Arsenal and Spurs, again, fighting for that sort of fourth spot that we've got. Arsenal, I wouldn't let it put you off tonight. I think Spurs is a really interesting one. Just on those two teams, I know Mitch was asked that, I think Spurs is a lot easier to look at, especially to now that Martinelli got benched tonight. I expect him to come back in next week, but I find it difficult to look at Arsenal and think maybe where would I triple up? I think a double up is still great, a defender and attacker, but I do find it a bit more difficult to find that third Arsenal player to go with. I think Tottenham, again, is pretty straightforward. It's 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 Doherty in defence. It's probably Kulisevsky and then it's one of Son or Kane. Now, I would love Son and Kane in my team. But again, if we look at the run-in and I'm saying, okay, triple Liverpool and maybe double Manchester City as well, the chance of you owning Son and Kane on top of that is, is pretty unrealistic, I think, unless you're tearing the rest of your team up, which I means I think Kulisevsky plays a really nice role in being your third Tottenham asset. They have yeah. a really nice run-in as well. Apart from their double, which is very difficult of Liverpool and Arsenal, their sort of fixtures around that are very, very nice. So I think Spurs definitely. Arsenal is difficult. Chelsea was the one. I just find it so difficult to know what bucket to put them in. Yeah, they should um... be in here, but they've got Champions League. They've got FA Cup. You would have thought that they were safe until we lost to Brentford. And then I was looking at the points gap and worrying about where we were sitting. And now Arsenal have lost. Again, do I feel like we're comfortable? I find it difficult to look at Chelsea and know where to put them. And down at the bottom... We're not really seeing a team charging through, maybe Newcastle. Mm. The bottom's difficult. Like normally a couple of seasons ago, we saw it with West Ham. We've seen it with Villa where one team suddenly goes, right, I'm going to be the one that stays up. And I just don't see that yet where I look down at the bottom and think that's the team at the bottom that's going to give me cheap options because they're going to stay up. And I don't see it yet there. No, no, definitely. That's probably why we're all gambling on their course, isn't it? Like there's obviously 
the game, mm-hmm. like the X-Mins, the fact they've got yeah. these extra games. Um, in the doubles, uh, interestingly, we all thought we had them for the long term, but the anticipated game week, double game week 34 hasn't come to pass. They've got another double in 37. So I think he's now expendable, whereas before he kind of thought, yeah, I've got this guy, I'm going to leave him there. And you're right, we're looking for one team to retake really the ball by the horns and think, you know what, right, we're going to roll our seeds up and go for it. Hasn't quite happened yet. And if you look at Norwich, Burnley, Watford, Neverton, like if I said to you at this moment in time, are any of the players from those teams of interest to you? You're going to say no, apart from Veghorst, because he's got extra games. If those one on the table, at the moment, it's not quite clear if there is a coper within the relegation battle. Like, you know, we said that teams avoid getting fourth. It looks like Everton might stay up by default at the moment. And that, probably means that the Wednesday game is huge. Yeah, I agree. And actually, if we look at the 36 doubles, I'm really hoping that one of these teams shows us that they are going to be the one to do it because Everton, that they've got Leicester away, Watford away. That that Everton-Watford game in the double is massive. And then Watford have Crystal Palace and Everton. Both, in theory, could offer great cheap options into a double in, in 36 with us to look at it. And I'm just hoping that between now and then, one of these two teams show a little bit of form that I can go and fall into another double game we trap on and buy some of their assets. Because <laughs> those fixtures for those two are nice. But And it's like in past seasons, there have been you know those teams who we want to stay up with nice fixtures that we invest in. But I just don't see the form yet. But Everton, particularly with that double-double, I would love some form from some of them before I go and decide to buy it. Yeah, anyone. DCL. I mean, his clothes are very Gordon nice. Gordon, even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got Gordon Bench this week. Gordon Bench it. That wasn't particularly good for anybody, really, who'd gone there thinking, oh, that guy's going to be able to step in for me. I'm looking at all these teams and thinking, yeah, there's one player that stands out for me, and that's Chucho Hernandez, just because he's yeah. 5.1. Like, and he's like now playing solidly, and he, he does look pretty decent when he does play to the eye, at least. There's not very much in terms of data I can present to say, this guy is definitely worth buying in. It's really a numbers game, isn't it, with these teams? It's definitely a price game in terms of FPL, and it's really about those expected minutes. Exemplified by why we've got their course at the moment, I'm sure we'll find you know the likes of Chucho Hernandez and things like that will end up kind of getting a decent effect of ownership towards the end, just because... We're hoping they've got the motivation. We're hoping they're going to emerge as copers, but certainly to bring it back to the likes of Spurs, definitely Liverpool, Man City. These are teams who are going to, we think, be pushing it all the way. But loosely related to this is the second category. I'm going to go with chokers here as a second category. So these are teams who are motivated, but for whatever reason doesn't work out. They get stage fright. It, it doesn't come quite come together for them. One example of this is Arsenal. No, not tonight, but under Unai Emery in 2018-19. So we were third in game week 31 in 2018-19 on track for a Champions League berth and into the depths of the Europa League. We had the Europa League winning, serial Europa League winning manager. We had our Arsenal back, etc., etc. Um, and we need to just win our remaining games between 32 and 38 to be assured of fourth place. I don't think we need to win very much as well. We only need to win a few. The fixture list read Everton and Watford away, Palace at home, Wolves and Leicester away, Bryson at home and Burnley away. But basically, we lost our show. <laughs> only two wins, four defeats and one draw against Brighton, including three defeats on the bounce uh, versus Palace. Mm. Uh, Wolves and Leicester condemned us to fifth place and allowed Spurs to take the final Champions League spot. Hey, 
history of repeating itself potentially. And that was compounded by us losing to you, Chelsea, in the Europa League final with an abject performance. And over the last eight game weeks per game, our expected goals and expected assists ticked downwards alongside a real drop in big chance creation from the analog side of things. We generated more chances but the accuracy and conversion fell off alongside the concession of big chances so for whatever reason we just froze it didn't work um, and we just lost our ability to perform at the highest level another example of this is Leicester 2019-20 project restart they're in a strong position they needed to get a fourth place finish and get into the Champions League for the first time since they won it and they signed off before lockdown with that solid 4-0 win over Villa. Do you remember the Harvey Barnes game where he got like a double figure or something? He got like 15, 16 points and we all owned him and it was an amazing kind of moment. The fixture list was Watford away, Bryson home, Everton away, et cetera, et cetera. Teams like that. There wasn't anything particularly difficult there. But they lost four, drew three and only won two. And they won home games versus Palace and Sheffield United. But that condemned them to fifth place despite looking very comfortable in their Champions League position. And they lost to... Spurs 3-0 and Man United eventually found their way to the Champions League spot. And their XGNA remained pretty static. There are a few things that kind of dropped off. But again, it was just kind of something was lost in the effort. There was some sort of loss of motivation or some loss of something. They froze, basically. They choked. Maybe it's a case they got unlucky. Things worked out for them before, but they didn't quite go that way beforehand but I think every year we do have kind of a team that does choke don't we Harry and I mean of this season like what would your nominees be? I think the two that come straight to me are probably Manchester United Leicester the two that stand out but I don't think they're particularly new trends we're going to choke late into the season that we're suddenly going to be a change in form that they're in a great position that they're now not going to go and get it because Manchester United to me they had that incredible green fixture run that we spoke about from the beginning of the season until about game week 14 when yeah. it started. It was mentioned on everything. Yeah, but we need to know how we're getting Manchester United assets. And then that came along. Yes, it was combined with the horrible Christmas schedule that we had, but nothing really happened. No real player took the ball by the horns and thought, I'm going to be a brilliant asset. There were a couple of doubles here and there that they did okay in. But they didn't really do it. And then the result against Leicester at the weekend Leicester were the better team. They were quite fortunate, I think, Manchester United to get anything out of that. Now, again, the other one, Leicester, they've got a big focus on Europa League, Europa Conference League even. And again, I think, yes, they've got a lot of fixtures to come. Some of them are quite nice, including that double that they've got in 33 of Newcastle and Everton, and then the double in 36 and 37 as well. They'll definitely be a team that we're looking at. But just worry again, that the motivation is not is not there for them and that they will focus on the Europa Conference League much more than they are focusing on the Premier League. And, you know, if they've got Everton, Norwich, Watford in the run, maybe that's the fixture period where we're looking at, okay, maybe it's those lower league teams playing against the top team and maybe some of those results, Leicester's not going to have it in them and it's actually going to be an opportunity for Everton, Norwich, Watford to go and and pick up some points. The final one is probably West Ham. Now, Mm. a good win for them this weekend. But although another team focusing much more on their European commitment, I feel, than their Premier League position. I, I just wonder whether these guys are more like they're they they've got actually got not very much to play for. So I think they may be more in the kind of a jokers category yeah. we'll speak about in a minute, rather than being chokers. I, I can definitely see. I think you're right. The trends already happened with the team like Man United, but they've. 
I don't, I fourth, it's not that remote a possibility. It could still happen if results go their way and one has gone their way this evening. I mean, Arsenal would probably be a nomination if that extra game in hand doesn't go our way. If we do choke now, then maybe we would be like, if this game starts off a chain reaction of us just losing things, like in mitigation, looks like Kieran Tierney, that's a potential season-ending season ending injury, apparently. Uh, Thomas Party went off injured as well. Like, two key cogs in the machine have now been lost. I mean, could that be something which could mean that we kind of lose it a little bit? I'm just a bit, a bit reluctant on, on Arsenal. I know these things have got to start somewhere, but you've been so good in recent weeks, particularly at home, that I try not to judge it on one performance. No, and if no. We, I suppose if we recorded... Bit. Two and a half hours ago, we wouldn't even be considering putting <laughs> Arsenal into the no, into the no. chokers category. But these things have got to start somewhere. It's one of those teams in Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal are not going to get top four. And if in theory, if, if you win all your games, you'll get it. So one of those two will probably end up in that category come the end of the season. But I can't put one in there at the moment. I suppose if it, if it does start to look like in two or three game weeks time that we just lost it whatever it is then I think that that is probably going to be consigning us to this category and at the bottom I think that Everton potentially have a nominee for a choker like you know they've they've, they've got a three point uh, cushion on Watford and they've got a two games in hand cushion on them if they're not able to stay up I think that that would be it, and obviously they're not in FPL consideration at the moment. But I mean, I do think they do. I think do think we see every now and again some teams do choke, but I I don't think they're as many as possible. But I think it's just kind of it's just stuck in mind just because me and Tom Campbell were speaking about it when I was down in Bristol in terms of that that Arsenal tranche of games and that Leicester sort of uh, occasion project restart. But I think maybe let's let's look at the jokers. So these are the classic teams on the beach, teams who have their eye on other things, you know. Um, I mean, maybe even you mentioned Leicester there. Maybe they're a team like that. They've got their eye on the Euro- European Conference League or whatever it's called. So maybe they're, 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 they're done for now. Um, but there's a few kind of prominent examples in the past of being on the beach. The biggest one in recent-ish FPL history that I remember is West Brom, 2016-17 under Tony Pulis. So West Brom rampaged their way to 40 points that season, uh, within which the likes of uh, McCauley and Brunt, they were still active in FPL. They beat teams around them, beating Sunderland, Bournemouth, whatever, but none more so uh, than the Pulis grudge match versus Arsenal back from the Stoke days. Ryan Shawcross is not that sort of player. Definitely not. Um, so a game between nine that season, um, they beat us 3-1. Um, which took them to 40 points. After that, they simply checked out. They failed to score another goal for another 500 minutes of football after getting safety. So six games, no goals scored and failed to win another game through the end of the season. So nine games without a win. And they drew 0-0 away at Man United. And I remember I had Boaz Maihu in goal who came off my bench for a 14-point hole. But they were the epitome of on the beach. And the team stats show this. So pre kind of safety, they score 1.3 goals per game. Post safety, 0.4 goals per game. They're still professional footballers, of course. Like a lot of the data, it's not like a total drop-off. They didn't just surrender. Um, but it, it was 
the motivation had pretty much gone. Loads of other examples of this. Um, 2016-17, that same season, uh, Southampton's points per game fell off from 1.3 points per game to 0.75 points per game when they hit 40 points. Same with Watford under Walter Mazzari, um, who drops from 1.25 points per game that year to zero points per game uh, after they uh, uh, after they claimed safety. The last six games, they were completely supine, uh, targetable. Uh, last year Palace were a very good example of this so they beat West Brom in game 29 and they dropped from averaging 1.3 points per game to 0.75 points per game last season there was a big drop off in data as well the passing possession rate chance conceded they were very, very high. And it's also worth noting that Benteke, though, scored five goals in seven games of that period. So it wasn't totally lost. And a few other teams like Wolves and things like that under Nuno fell off as well in terms of their points per game. Their defence slackened. They just thought, you know what? I'm safe. It's done. And my manager's probably leaving. So we're going to leave. On the beach, Harry, there's quite a few teams who are in the middle of the pack. I did have Crystal Palace written here. <laughs> so I think maybe that would kind of change things a bit. But I think Leicester is a good example of this, a team who maybe is looking towards the, the conference a little bit. Aston Villa, Southampton, Brighton have been in a tailspin for quite a while. Like Teams like this who are nowhere and aren't really going anywhere. Yes, there's the argument that they'll get a few more million quid for finishing one more place up. But I mean, what sort of teams do you think are on the beach now? Yeah, I think, as you said, just because on the beach doesn't mean they're all completely avoiding. I think there's probably better assets. We have a lot to pick from this season. But as you said, there can be occasional gems which come to the front, maybe because there's someone else who's given a chance in the team. But three of those that you mentioned for me, like you could ask you Leicester, maybe some of the sort of United, West Ham that I mentioned earlier have got maybe something to play for if they really pushed it. But those ones that you mentioned, Villa, three points from a possible 12. Southampton, one point from a possible 12. Brighton, one point from a possible 15. It's just those three teams stand out for me that, yes, they, they're going to, you know, the odd game, they may put a few goals in, but... There's just no motivation left there now. They've, you know, particularly Brighton, given the start of the season they had, it was pretty tough for them. They've they've done their fighting and they've done their battling and it's sort of got to the point now where they feel like they're safe. There's been a few injuries for them that, yeah, they're struggling to hit hit the back of the net as well at the moment. That, that game against Norwich at the weekend, Ooh, how they didn't score in a few of the games they've had this season. So, yeah, Leicester, probably their focus is elsewhere. If they really pushed... They've got an outside chance, maybe at a Europa Conference League place in the league, but it would be a very big ask now, I think, given how far Wolves are ahead, but they do have quite a few games in hand. But I think Villa, Southampton, Brighton in particular, Brentford now, the fans at the weekend chanting at us that we're staying up and can we play you every week, things like that. Three three wins in their last four as well. They're probably getting to quite a comfortable stage given the way that some of those are performing down at the bottom of the table. Yeah, I mean, what's really interesting as well is like the randomness of one week. And I think that we're definitely kind of starting to look a little bit more towards the double game weeks here and starting to think, oh, you know what? This team have got double game week. That team have got double game week. And maybe that could kind of move our sort of needle when it comes to thinking about motivation. Um, and I suspect we're going to see loads of people kind of channel into different sorts of teams. So maybe you'll be kind of thinking, you know what? Oh, I'm going to pick up an Aston Villa player because they've got double game week and one, one more to be rescheduled. Maybe you'll be thinking of, you know, um, Leicester. Well, you will definitely be thinking of Leicester because they've got back-to-back doubles at Everton, Norwich, Watford and Chelsea. Is there, 
if if we do say they're on the beach though or we say that they're not so much on the beach but a bit of a joker in terms of being like we don't know what we're going to get from them how much are we going to be able to trust in these sorts of assets i'm, I'm sure we'll see free hit teams in 36 and 37 sporting you know triple leicester for example i there's a randomness inherent randomness of a double game week or a single game which has loads of variants but there's a lot of danger there isn't there yeah there is and there's probably danger that i'm gonna fall into and it's great that i can see the pit in the ground from a mile out but i'll probably walk straight into it with villa having 36 double 37 likely double and norwich and 35 as well that's a great fix to run five games in in three weeks with Norwich as their only single. It's the same reason I bought a red course this week, five games in three weeks and Norwich and Norwich is their only single. I'm sure I'll find myself in that. I do feel like a lot of the time is, you know, as a bench boost option, it's fine to play these sorts of teams, but I'm not going to be going and investing heavily elsewhere. Like I, I got asked earlier on my stream that if you're looking at Aston Villa for that run in, do you go, are people going to be stuck with Coutinho or are they going to go to Ramsey? For me, it's much clearer to go for Ramsey because I can sit him on my bench, play him for maybe when he's got a double on a bench boost, but I don't run the risk of having a unmotivated Coutinho. And if I'm looking at Coutinho versus other players at his price, like maybe a Foden, like maybe a Mason Mount, like maybe a Saka, for example, I'm going to try and pick the one in that sort of bracket that's got something to play for, which I can hence why we've seen a lot of maybe movement away from Coutinho. Yeah, so you, I mean, you've got the, the Copers, teams will hold their nerve. All right, we're going to be interested in them. You know, yeah. They're ones who are really up for. The Chokers, perhaps, are the ones that haven't quite revealed themselves yet by the sounds of it. They're ones that we're not too sure how it's going to go. And the Jokers, I mean, obviously, we may say they're on the beach, but they're teams who are essentially now an unknown quantity. You know, They've, they've done their work for the season. They've, they've had their fight, you said, about Brighton. And they're either totally gone or we build our own narrative about them, don't we? And say, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're going to do this because, I mean, you said Coutinho, yeah, maybe he's not going to be motivated. Maybe he is because maybe he's going to be trying to secure his move away from Barcelona to, to Aston Villa. Maybe you had a chat with Phil. I'm sure there's going to be someone on Twitter going, yeah, I know that Phil Coutinho is just determined to secure his move uh, to Aston Villa. And uh, it's when you start to kind of move into subjective side of things, when you start to kind of say, I reckon that he's going to be well up for it because of this, that and the other. And I think that that kind of pushes it into the individualistic nature of FPL. And you can be right, you can be wrong. Um, but overall, Harry, like, how do you think these sort of things, which I've, you know, I've openly just made up through thinking about them over the weekend, how important do you think that these kind of categories at least... Um, are in making decisions as an FPL manager? I think I think they should definitely play a part. I don't think we should just go hook, line and sinker for assets just because they've got something to play for that maybe have not been assets previously. So I don't, I'm, I don't see myself suddenly tripling up on, I was going to say doubling up on Watford, but actually looking at the double in 36, Kucha Hernandez and Ben Foster could quite well be on my wild card. So we'll move away from double Watford because they could... <laughs> both be there uh, but i don't necessarily think that you should you should just go for like these assets just because they've got something to play for it doesn't mean they're suddenly going to start playing well they maybe put more effort in but it doesn't mean that it's ever going to return some points i think it's more if you've got maybe a 50 50 call or a 60 40 call that you should then look to maybe favor the one that's that's got more to play for i don't think if you've got a completely unproven asset that you should go suddenly charging into them although it did work with Antonio when he scored four against Norwich a couple of seasons ago, but tends to work less times than it does. But yeah, it's more the sort of 50-50 judgment calls 
that I do think it should allow we should allow it to impact our decision because it does affect how people play on the pitch. If Brentford were not fighting relegation, would they have beaten us at the weekend? Well, maybe given the way that we performed, but. It was a bad day at the office, wasn't it? I think Antonio is the perfect example. I didn't do West Ham for this one just because I simply ran out of time in real life. Um, but Antonio is a good one to end on just because at times that motivation does translate into their performances, frankly. And of course, there's the obvious ones, the Man City's, Liverpool's. At the moment, because of the weird sort of spectre of the season, the way it's turned out, Loads of us have tripled on Spurs already, but they will be players that you'll be bringing in if not. Um, you, most, people are, most people are tripled up on Arsenal too because of how things have gone. A, a few wildcards kind of moved away from that. A few wildcards indeed moved away from Spurs. Um, but I think when these sort of things do come to pass, when you see motivation or at least kind of a, a performance that you can link to motivation come to pass, um, you should then start thinking, okay, it's time to bring in your Lingard, uh, you know, a player like that who's just come out of nowhere to start performing. And who knows, maybe we might see someone performing in the Watford team and it's made a SAR or something like that show up out of nowhere. Maybe we'll see Redhorse kind of show up and maybe in the top four, um, an Arsenal player will take the mantle. Maybe even Odegaard, Harry, will do something for you. Maybe. No, he's shaking his head. All right. Had enough of that, man. All right. We'll take a break there and uh, move on to the questions just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right. So we're back into the Q&A section of the uh, podcast this weekend. We had quite a few questions this week. Thank you, everybody, uh, for getting back to us. Uh, the first one is Game Week 32 punts. Uh, so Benny Blanco, uh, who is pioneering, I keep banging on about this, I literally myself can't make it due to a family wedding, which I can't get out of. I said to Benny this week, I really hope that they have an argument or something and it's all called off. You know, I hope he goes and cheats. <laughs> but it's on the Saturday, 28th of May, 2022. Loads of members of the community are involved with it. Um, you can buy tickets it's on gw39northvssouth.co.uk all proceeds go to charity all proceeds go to street charge united which is an amazing cause uh, benny blanco at benny underscore blanco 40 on twitter anyway uh, benny uh, does ask us um he's from liverpool sadly so that's kind of a bit of a black a blot against his name but anyway um he says ear lads um if you're free hissing in game week double game week 33 who is the one week punt um for that in all the different sort of uh, positions, except for goalkeepers. He says nobody cares about goalkeepers. And Chris Noll, Nolly, he also asked, any players with a good sub with single game week 32 and double game week 33? Well, I mean, we were just saying in the break, weren't we, Harry, that this is, a, this is just a terrible game week. <laughs> it's a rubbish game week. I mean, you said you were looking at the hub uh, prediction uh, Matrix, weren't you? And it's not good, is it? Yeah, I was, I'm just trying to find something to inspire me to try and find players that I want to buy into my team for this game week, and literally nothing is doing it. You get the likes of Bruno Fernandes and the United guys coming out on top. They're away at Everton this week, but they're also expensive. It's quite difficult for me personally to get them in. If you can find space, they have a good. They're an okay double in 33. They have Norwich at home, which is great. Then Liverpool away, is not great. But Everton away this week is also pretty good. So they'd probably be up there. But again, looking at their performance against Leicester in, in game week 31, I find it very difficult to know who on earth I want to invest in. I don't see any of them being consistent enough to return two games in a row at the moment, any of their assets in particular. Their goals are coming from all over the pitch. Fred seems one of the most reliable assets in terms of 
points and performances at the moment. And I'm obviously not going to go and buy him, <laughs> but then why yeah. am I going to go and buy Bruno Fernandes at, you know, 12 million if, if I'm just not convinced on the way that, that they're performing? I expect them to win both of these games, but I then also look at the likes of, of Leicester. Now, Crystal Palace this week at home, I would have said straight away that that was a good fixture. And now they've just won 3-0 against Arsenal. So they must be the top team in the whole of the Premier League at the moment, given given that result. But then Newcastle and Everton in 33 would probably where mm. would probably be where I'm going to go. But I don't find anyone looking this week alone to be worth investing in. Because I think a lot of the fixtures are very difficult to pick one way or another. If you're trying to look 33 as well, then you've got a couple in there. Leicester, maybe Newcastle have got Wolves at home, Leicester at home, Crystal Palace at home. And maybe, who was the third one? Yes, you've got Leicester, you've got Manchester United was the other one. And then, yeah, those are the teams I'm potentially looking at, but most of them more because I like them in 33 than I like them this week. And you've got a few people as well who asked, um, tacking on to that, uh, FPL Brain said that he's planning to free hit in 33 Wildcard in 34. So same as Benny, uh, free hit in 33. Um, said that, you know, could you start to look at selling Liverpool players? So before that, Fernandes and Dave sees an FPL so he's looking to make some cash because he's bench boosting in 33. So he asks, you know, could you sell Mo, Trent or Robbo? And it, it's actually quite, like, I completely understand that. Like, I wouldn't, if you can, if you're going to have the opportunity to change your team over in the next two game weeks and this game week is an abject one like you've got a free pass to take a hit or to take a punt at least maybe not take a hit but to at least have a punt and if you've got a decent buyback route for the likes of Mo Salah then fine it makes a lot of sense like buying Bruno um, would you really want to invest in United though I, mean, I think he's top for Mikel's captaincy algorithm at the moment or something like a Havertz punt maybe could be uh, what would happen, but uh, this week against Brentford, it didn't really work out. I mean, it's just this week just looks really shabby for me. <laughs> like it just doesn't look very good. And um, and you know, when you're looking through the, the the players to recommend, it's it's definitely you know you're. We spoke about this a little bit earlier on in terms of like how the on the beach players translate into reality, but you're looking into kind of one week high variance stuff. So maybe in defence you'd be looking at the likes of right of uh, you know Aaron Cresswell and saying well he's got over 100 points now he's on set plays and he's got a very very nice free kick this game we just got so could he get an assist for the likes of Dawson or something you know how they love set pieces at West Ham could that be a good contender well potentially if you're looking for a defender like, I can't really see very much in here apart from maybe you know Shar or something against Wolves because. No, they are, uh, well, they're not even informed, but they're, they're pretty decent at home. Uh, Newcastle have had a very good record uh, under Howe's uh, stewardship. In midfield, maybe Bowen. I mean, he's in the market forces. Brentford next. Uh, get involved early with Leicester, as Harry said. And if, if, if we're looking at motivation as a factor, that Watford-Leeds game could be a bit eye-catching. You know, could that be the goal fest that we're looking for? I mean, Rafinha, um, for example, is always there. It could pop up as the customary nine-pointer. Ismail Asar is capable of one-week haul. I don't know. I mean, Ericsson, I think, would be the one I go for now, honestly, um, just because... He's in the groove and the team's pairing with him. He's involved in his form. There's a very, very small sample size that I'm judging 
me saying he's informing though, by the way, but his XGI is good over the time that he's played and just that kind of modicum of class into Brentford. Why not at that price? But it's all a punt. There's no way that you can look at any fixture here and think, I'm definitely sure of the outcome. Even Arsenal, you may be looking at and thinking, oh yeah, Arsenal versus Bryce and Brian out of source. Arsenal probably ruined the beach, uh, ruined the beach, beach, wounded beast in the corner uh, looking to kind of react maybe Martinelli but I'm I don't know it's it's not particularly good what do you think about selling a Liverpool asset if you are able I mean you're wild carding in game week 34 aren't you what do you think about selling Liverpool players at the moment like have you considered selling Salah for example I've considered selling Salah for Fernandez, but I also as I put a tweet out that the narrative we seem to have this week is that Salah is no longer good at football. Now, it seems to be on a bit more of an extreme level to actually what's going on. But his underlying numbers are, are not nearly as bad as people are saying and people are claiming that his returns are showing. His underlying numbers are still very decent. And actually, I think I saw a tweet from uh, Luke that they're actually better than they were in the first half of the season. And actually, he tends to perform pretty well in big games. We had a quiet patch last season over Christmas. He often comes back at some point. And yes, he's got Liverpool, he's got City and United in the next two, but they're big games to Liverpool and they'll need their big man to show up. And if they're going to win those games, I highly, I think it's highly likely that Salah's going to be involved in them. Now, you could go to the likes of Fernandes if you've got Salah, but he's got a Liverpool away game. And again, how much do I expect from, from that? Not very much which in theory he's then got realistically got about a double game week. And then if it's Fernandes with a double of well Everton and Norwich versus Salah with Manchester City and Manchester United, to be honest, given the form of the two teams, I don't think there's that much in it. It's a very luxury transfer, I think, is what I'm trying to say, is that if you've got nothing else to do, then I think that's fine. I look at my team and think there's much there's places I could easily make transfers elsewhere, like selling Ollie Watkins like maybe upgrading a Marty, which would benefit my team better and I can play them in the next two. But I just don't see Salah particularly. The defence, again, but so much of the attacking threat comes through Trent and Robbo that if they score again against City, why can Robbo and Trent not be the ones involved given how highly they are involved when they do score? I, I can't, I, it feels very luxury to me, but that's the way I play the game. I'd rather not go selling yeah, my Liverpool quite, players. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I... Five goals, two assists in nine games versus Man City. And his XGI, as you've said, has remained really constant throughout the year. Another way of skinning it, I, I saw Luke's tweet after doing this, but I looked at his pre and post AFCON data and he's got a better XG and a better XGI per game after he came back from AFCON. Same non-pen uh, data, but um, you know, it, it, it's basically outcome bias and full of effects, as Luke noted. Did look pretty mare versus Watford. So I think we can allow him that <laughs> because of, yep. you know, but he's got loads of credit in the bank with us, infinite amount of credit in the bank with us. And fundamentally, I'm not sure who I'm selling for. Like, you know, you can look at Bruno and think, okay, the next few games are probably okay. But tying back to our discussion earlier on, where are United? Probably in the on the beach category. Let's be fair. In in the Jokers category, they could turn it on against Norwich. I'm sure they're going to be too good for them. But like, where are they? They're probably looking at fourth being probably out of their reach and probably looking at kind of thinking, well, what's going to happen after Rangnick? 
if I'm going to be buying Bruno, it's going to be a one which is very much all staked on that Newcastle on on that Norwich game, and it just feels like a recipe of the, for disaster selling Salah for him. De Bruyne is probably an, an like an example of a player you could bring in, but he's got a similarly poor next few game weeks because he's also got Atleti and Liverpool times two. So it's, it's, it's difficult because obviously in our chat with Seb last week, we spoke about the necessity of these kind of sword plays if you're not doing as well as you want to be. So I should probably not dismiss it. I should probably kind of not sit here and kind of say, that's ridiculous. It's very stupid to be selling that guy. But I'm just not sure I like it. Like I'm booking in the transfer because I'm not going to realistically be kind of saying goodbye to Salah for the rest of the season. I know Mark Magnus Carlsen has great, okay, risk profile off the off, off the charts, but transfers without a free hit and a wild card left to me are so precious. Like if you're in the likes of, you know, FPL brain, if you've got your wild card left, that makes a lot of sense. Likes of you, you could probably do it because you can say, you know what? All right, Man City United for Salah. I'm not sure the Man United game is a difficult game anymore, but you know what I mean. You can kind of say, right, two big games of Salah. I'm going to get rid of him, bring in somebody else, and go for it. But Mo for me puts the Mo in FOMO, and it's only his actual returns rather than his data that have fallen off. So for me, it's just, it's just a no go at the moment. But I feel like I shouldn't be. I I feel like I shouldn't be dismissing it because I feel like it could be a route for like a a very sharp sword kind of move but it, it just feels like I'm just kind of setting myself up for an absolute disaster if I do sell him yeah the thing is with 34 where they play Everton at home and then Newcastle away in 35 you'll want Salah back for 34 so it is for two weeks and if you don't have your wild card again I said it a couple of weeks ago every transfer now is a minus four because later down the line going into 36 37 you will be taking hits if you don't make the transfers now it would save you a hit later down the line there's no way that people between now and the end of the season are going to use what it is five transfers people will want to be using more so every transfer in theory is going to be a minus four so Salah out Salah back in in two weeks time is a minus eight is the player that you're buying the chances of them outscoring Salah by eight points over the next two game weeks What's got more chance of going horribly wrong? I think selling him is more chance of going horribly wrong than not buying into Bruno or not buying into De Bruyne. If you if you don't if you've got a wild card, then it opens up a bit more of a question. But if you don't have a wild card, I cannot see that over the next two weeks that minus eight is worth it. I definitely no. I, I yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. As I mean, obviously, I could be sat here in two weeks' time, having sold Salah and bought Bruno after a return versus Everton, a return versus Norwich and a return versus Liverpool kind of saying, yeah, I was on the right side of the sliding door. But I feel like it's just exposing me to such a high degree of risk that I'm like, all right, I haven't got, I think I'm probably 180K now. Is that, it's it's kind of, it's defensible enough. I don't want to just kind of lose that position through betting against someone like Salah, betting against someone like Trent or betting against somebody like not owning Reese James. That, that's acceptable to me. But Salah's just got that level, as I said earlier on, of credit in the bank or that fear in the bank that I kind of think I don't want to be without that guy. So, yeah. I mean, It'd be, I, like, I, going into, be like going into a Spurs game not owning Son, Son or Kane now. They, like That level of risk is just too high for me. Yeah, I agree with that. 
All right, next question. Uh, bench boost 36. So um, Neil Gripsa looks at, you know, obviously he said that you know, the, the fixtures now come out and with that kind of guaranteed 36 for the North London derby particularly, that means that many of us have six players from North London clubs already in our team. So we've got six doublers in situ for game week 36, which is a long way of the way there in terms of a bench boost. So he said, is it now clear that bench be 36 is the way to go. For me, still having it when the fixtures came out, I was never really planning 33, so my squad is not nearly set up well enough for it. But there is so much budget of 36 that I think we can go after. And my issue with the other chance that we're going to play it with 33 was that there are a lot of teams that you may be investing in in order to get enough doublers out generally, not just for the bench boost, but generally that you wouldn't want to hold long-term, like maybe your Newcastle assets, might United assets that are good for that, maybe Southampton as well, that you don't want long-term. However, the ones in 36 that you'd be investing for your bench boost in particular, there are some great cheap options, like we spoke about potentially Watford, Everton with knife doubles, cheap options you can get with Arsenal, for example, and then some of the top teams, whether they double or not, also have very nice games. So it's possible that we put out almost 15 double game week players going into that week and that you're not having these sort of single games with a difficult game. Like you've got Chelsea against Arsenal this weekend in 33. Then you've got Liverpool against Manchester United. Your bench in 36, if you plan well for it now, will be, will be absolutely stacked going into that week. You could easily have seven or eight fixtures on that. And even if they all blank, you're already looking at 16 plus points. You know, that benchmark that I use of 16, which would be your four players playing twice, all blanking of 16. I think if you can get 16 plus on your bench boost, I think looking at some of the fixtures, it's pretty reasonable to expect us to get 16 plus looking at the doublers that we could have on our bench from some of these cheap teams. I think it's a great, I think it's fallen well for a bench boost that week. Absolutely. I mean, I think most people now who are engaged managers who are still playing the game are going to be looking at at least 10 players by default, given how the fixtures have come out. Um, if you've all carded this week, you've optimised already um, for the potential double in 36. I'm completely sure you've probably done that. Um, but I mean, I've got 12 players who double right now for that game week. So there's not very much for me to do between 33, if I optimise for that, and 36 using those transfers. So it's not like, I just feel like it's kind of, you could make some headway in 33 if you do bench boost, that's for sure. But you are looking at teams like Newcastle to be your saviour. You're looking at teams like United to be your saviour, frankly. And that they could be a team who would come through for you because they've got a Norwich game. But everything is on that Norwich game really, if you are kind of going big on on uh, on Man United. And that's why if I have my free hit, that 33 is going to be the week to, to, to free hit, just because that's the one which is interesting. I mean, I'm likely, Harry, to be using my transfer in 33 to buy in a single game weaker in Cancelo, to be honest. Like, I'm just not that interested in it. I mean, I've got loads of players in 36, so I think that that's kind of a logical bench boost. I mean, it comes down to obviously if you've gotten lucky with the with the team that you've got. But I think that a lot of our teams are going to be quite divergent now. So I wouldn't be too upset um, about 
the fact that you're going to end up being kind of press scanned into doing the same the bench boost on the same week everyone else's and, and at the end of the day like if you're not bench boosting in 36 it kind of feels like one of those where you're kind of exposing yourself to huge risk and optimizing your team is only one thing um but i think most people are going to be fairly optimized and most people are going to be fairly optimized right now by default um so yeah i think i think it is 36 and i think that kind of the fixtures as they've fallen in the announcement today have really kind of you know ensconced that that's for sure next question we've got one for harry here adam pritchard um perhaps kind of uh, looking at the fixture the kind of chat we had earlier on to some extent asks is now the time to think again on chelsea um, in terms of doubling up tripling up uh, given their competing priorities again so it's changed a little bit when we lost to brentford i thought yeah maybe we need to have one eye still on the Premier League because Arsenal and Spurs have still got that momentum. Now Arsenal losing tonight again, maybe we're back to where we were before. Again, I still think Reese James in defence, maybe Rudiger are still worth looking at because our run-in, including a double-double in 36 and 37, does look very nice. So even if you get Rudiger playing four times over those two before Watford at home, and Everton and West Ham before that, it's a very nice run of fixtures. So I still think defensively we're worth looking at. I do think going forward, though, I still stand by that Havertz, the one that we probably would have gone with, maybe Mount, that there are other players at their prize, which I think have got much more to play for that I would go elsewhere in. So I think for me, it's Reese James or Rudiger. And if you have a Havertz, then fine, you can hold him. But I wouldn't be investing in him. I'd be investing in someone like Foden, who we've said falls much into that more Copa's Copa's mindset that has got a lot to fight for over the foreseeable future. Players that have got stuff to play for, like Kulisevsky, rather than Havertz, because Lukaku will get his minutes, Pulisic will get his minutes, so will Ziyech, so will Mount, maybe Werner, although after his performance at the weekend, maybe not. But there's a lot of players fighting for places, and especially if we've got Champions League, it's very difficult to see Havertz playing. We flogged him at the beginning of the season when Lukaku got injured first time around. I think we can all remember quite how knackered he looked come the end of that sort of eight-game spell where he played twice yeah, a week yeah. for four weeks. With Chelsea as well, like as you as you kind of detail there, I just can't see beyond Thiago Silva, Rudiger, James, any player who I'm kind of thinking was going to play the majority of those minutes. I mean, with Rudiger, you're looking at maybe three games out of the four. Um, if you if, if that's probably the best you're looking at, really, I mean, the, there's no the depth of the squad means that if you're buying a player in, it'd be good to free hit maybe in 37 and think, oh yeah, I'm going to get a Z in or something like that. I think that'd be a really good kind of buy who could go off in one game. Um, but you've got that, and then on the other side of it, as you said, you've got loads of players who are great substitutes for Chelsea, who are probably more predictable in terms of people who are going to play. So it is. Um, I mean, obviously the fixtures are very alluring, that's for sure. And you think, oh yeah, a team is good at Chelsea. They're going to win those games. But are they going to win those games with the players on the pitch that you own? That's more of a question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I've, I've got Rudiger. I'm going to be, obviously be keeping Rudiger. I brought him in for that ill-faced double game week where he didn't play versus Norwich, that Trevor's charitable goal. That was his goal, Harry. That was his goal. And obviously we now know he can score from 40 yards. So... <laughs> He's been Although, trying it for about two seasons. He won't do it again. I was going to say, he's, he's doing the Lampards, trying yeah. from 30 yards, but he's got less, less panache 
uh, than old Fat Frank uh, used to have when he was a player. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's he and maybe you know maybe Mendy would be that's whole that that's kind of the situation you're in when you're looking at players who are probably going to be playing to that extent. And there's probably going to be some Rudiger. Um, I'm not sure whether doubling or tripling up that chip is going to be worth it. That's for damn sure. To end with, we've got a couple of questions looking ahead to double game week 33. Uh, Karim Tizir asked if there are any Newcastle assets um, to answer, maybe to answer Chris Knowles' question as well about the um, uh, any teams who've got an OK 32. I mean, Newcastle are home to Wolves and then they've got the double in 33. They're at home to Leicester. Um, and uh, no, they're not homeless, are they? Um, they're uh, at home, they're home to Leicester, home to Leicester, home, yeah, home to Leicester and home to Palace. Um, and United, uh, yay or nay, uh, James Carroll asked them, asked if they're worth it, and if yay, which assets do you bring in? And we've, I think we mentioned United a little bit, maybe mentioned some Newcastle a little bit. I, I, for me, I think maybe. Shah um, for Newcastle would be the one at the moment just because he's on free kicks has scored that one this this game week also throw on corners and he's very very cheap it seems a bit of a no-brainer if you're in the market for a defender I think all across the board Newcastle was so cheap um, so that's really good for a free hit filler that's for sure and if you want to buy in a player for a one-hit punt they're very very good um, for Fraser and Willock midfield <laughs> I don't want to be saying it, but Chris Woods, given how crap forwards are, ASM obviously made of glass, but another one. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at Shaw if I was interested in one week pump for Newcastle, but it's not fantastic, is it? And for United, it's a nay for me. I think there's too much jiggery pokery in terms of moving players around because um, I don't have a free hit, I don't have a wild card. Um, and my midfield is Salah, Barnes, Kulisevsky, Martinelli, and Saka. So I've got no real need to move any of them around. Obviously, I'd maybe move around Martinelli, but I think probably downgrading him in order to afford Cancelo would be the way I go. I'm not interested in selling Kane for Ronaldo, for example. And I'm probably not interested in moving Dean for D- for Dallo or Tellez or something. <laughs> so it's it, I, Newcastle feel like one that you can put in and just kind of think, yeah, okay, one week pump, fine. United, a lot of their players are kind of template busting, yes, but also kind of team structure destroying. So uh, for me, it looks like at the moment I'll be avoiding them in game week 33, despite that really alluring Norwich picture. What do you think? Yeah, Newcastle is an interesting one. Just looked, Chris Woods has scored one goal so far for Newcastle, scored three goals all season. I can't get behind him despite how poor forwards have been in the midfield Willock Fraser for their price I think they're fine again a sort of bench filler Shah is definitely interesting you don't get many centre-backs that take direct free kicks like like he does also a threat plus you know Leicester Palace it's an okay chance for a clean sheet if you compare to some of the other doubles it's probably up there with some of the best chance for a clean sheet out of all the double game week teams Southampton Arsenal away Arsenal at home Burnley away still not great given that we put them firmly in the on the beach category and then, yeah, Manchester United, just because of how much it completely tears up your structure. If we had one of them in at six million, then maybe I'd go for him. But because of the players, I'd have to sell to get one of them in. I don't think I'll be going there. Right. We'll talk about, I think we'll talk about this more next week, that's for sure, as things become clearer. Um, but at the moment, it just, it just feels like that, that game week 
a double get that double game week, I should say, is such a difficult one just because loads of our players who we already own that we probably want to keep don't double in that in that game week. I mean, I know the Arsenal guys do, uh, but the Liverpool guys, it's 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 quite difficult to make a case for selling the likes of Robertson, Trent, and Salah at this moment. It's very difficult for kind of saying, all right, I don't want Kane, I don't want Kulisevsky, I don't want. Uh, uh, insert Doherty thing here um, but uh, you know I, I'm not going to be wanting to move those guys on I don't want to be moving on my Chelsea defender even though he's got Arsenal at home we're going to bench him that week but I'm probably not going to want to move him on at all um, and you're relying on that kind of the filler to do something for you that week and it's not a particularly attractive double game week is it so well how are we going to build towards it Let's move to the transfers and captains and see how we're getting on here. Um, so for me, double game week 32, no, not double game week, normal game week 32. Um, very rare normal game week. It's been a long time, hasn't it, Harry? What did you, you tweet this earlier, didn't you? Yeah, it's been since game week 15 was the last time we had a game week that either wasn't a double or a blank to some extent. Which I thought was I thought it would be sort of game week twenty two, but when we were getting to there, it started the Christmas schedule and those sort of games adding back in. Game week fifteen was the last time that we had a normal game week of football. That's just mad. It feels like it definitely feels like a, it's been the weirdest season I can ever. Like obviously the project restart was one thing, but at least like the games did go ahead. But this has just been something else. It really has. Um, Fifteen. We had. It's, it's been half the season was normal, and then we've had the exact same length of time, pretty much, of it being doubles or blanks. Yeah. God, bizarre. So this is the, probably the last. No, I think there will be a few now, given the fixtures. There will be normal kind of game weeks, but first one in a while. And for me, this week, the team kind of picks itself. And for me, I'm going to hold on for dear life. I think and get two free transfers for thirty-three. I don't, you know, I, I just, I just think like this week's a really bad week. I haven't got a free hit. I haven't got a wild card. If you do have a free hit for 33 or wild card for 34, definitely try to attack it. We have obviously haven't been entirely helpful in terms of judging the kind of teams and players who you might want to be investing in for one week. But I mean, if you, in my situation, there's just no way I, I really want to make a move this week. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Ramsdale and goal, Rudiger, um, Tarty and uh, Trent, and then in midfield, I've got five midfield: uh, Barnes, Salah, Martinelli, Saka, and Kulu. And up front, I've got Veghorst against Norwich, and I've got Kane, uh, captain against Aston Villa. I think his his uh, EO is going to be off like you know Salah levels this week on the bench. Um, I have bench Robertson this week away at Man City. It's obviously going to be very close between him and Trent, who does play. Um, I don't see Liverpool keeping a clean sheet in that. I think it's probably going to be like a 1-1. I think it'll be like, we always kind of amp these kind of big games up, don't we? And think, oh yeah, no, it's going to be amazing. No, I think it's probably going to be a very tactical 1-1. And I think the Trent's likely uh, just about to be involved in something or other. But I also don't see where he does uh, come in uh, for my team here. Um, and then, yeah, Luca Dean, Breuer and Foster making up my bench. And I, 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 I think it's just going to be a 50-pointer. I think it's one of those weeks where you're kind of thinking, well, unless the likes of Barnes or Martinelli, you know, go off, I think it's going to be one of those where you're kind of 
looking at kind of 50 points, like escaping with a grey arrow and kind of saying, yeah, that's good. Grey arrow, two free transfers for 33, where I can try to attack it a little bit. Although, as I said earlier, those free transfers probably be used to to buy in uh, Cancelo. And uh, what about you? Uh, what are you looking at doing? Yeah, so it's slightly different because if I'm wildcarding in game week 34, if I roll my transfer, I basically got two one-week punts going into game week 33. However, looking at my team, that's probably what I'm going to do. So I've got Pope in goal away at Norwich, Ben White, Doherty. Now I'm starting Robertson and Trent away at City. Salah, Kudasevsky, Saka, Barnes with Kane and Weghorst up front. Odegaard finally made his way to my bench. I'm sure he'll get his second return in 10 game weeks. That's a tough winter right there. <laughs> Honestly, one return he's had in past 10 game weeks and I benched him that week. I don't think I'll ever forget him. Um, but yeah, he was great for me before that. But anyway, the only thing I am considering is Robertson or Trent out to Reese James for that Southampton fixture, expecting maybe a bit of a bounce back for Chelsea in that one. So that's the only thing that I'm potentially thinking of, but I don't necessarily think it's it's worth it. I think rolling a transfer next week is probably probably where I'm going to go rolling it. So I've got two for 33, but Robertson to Reese James, Robertson to James could happen. Of course, Kane captain. I think Kane and Son will be monster ownership I think this week as they were in game week 30 as well cool so I think that's all we've got time for I've been rambling on for a while talking about benchings all of that game week 33 double as well as game week 36 double we now have a very much clearer picture of the fixtures between now and the end of the season also trying to understand maybe what teams have finally called it quits with just seven game weeks to go now that they look to be safer Thank you all very much for listening. We were Who Got This Is. We'll be back recording next Sunday, so slightly earlier than the Monday. Um, So it'll be a Monday morning. We'll be out next week, so slightly earlier to start your week off with us. Yep, thanks. It's my birthday next week, so I'm off work on Monday before the actual day on Tuesday. I'm off for a meal, so I had to push the recording back a little bit. Uh, Luckily, as a minute ago, it's a rare traditional game week uh, so it all kind of fits in very very nicely uh, thanks for joining me harry and uh, thanks to you all for listening hope we assisted you and we'll speak to you very very soon goodbye speak soon oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist sports social podcast network